You're listening to WNHHLP, 103.5 FM New Haven, streaming live at www.newhavenindependent.org and broadcasting live from our offices on Elm Street. This is another episode of Artbeat with Dan Fitzmorris. Good afternoon and welcome to Artbeat. I am Daniel Fitzmorris, the Executive Director at Creative Arts Workshop, and today we're jumping on the stage, if you will, um, with some of the visual arts oriented staff and designers um, from the creative uh, from Elm Shakespeare Company's upcoming uh, Free Shakespeare in the Park production of A Midsummer Night's Dream, which starts actually tomorrow, which is amazing. It uh, starts tomorrow. I hope you guys aren't nervous or anything like that. So I have Elizabeth Bolster here, who is the scenic designer and Tyler Kinney, who is the costume designer. And we were just talking before the show started that they don't really see themselves as visual artists, but yet that's, you know, the part of the, of the production that you, um, you know, experience with your eyes and the parts that are related to color and texture and all of that is really in your wheelhouses. So welcome to a visual arts exploration. Thanks, Dan. Um, Thanks, Dan. If you could just introduce yourselves um, a little bit about what you're doing in the production, but even more importantly, what else do you do? This is a summer production, so you must have some other work, some other projects you're working on, other things you're up to when um, Free Shakespeare in the Park ends in a couple of weeks. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Um, Well, during the sort of season of school year from like September through May, I work for the Yale Repertory Theater. I work backstage as the wardrobe supervisor. And then I usually work for the International Festival of Arts and Ideas in June. And then it's on to Elm Shakespeare for July and August. And that's my whole year. <laughs> and outside of that, I don't really have a lot of time for any other <laughs> side projects. But, you know, I try to squeeze something in. That's, a very, that's a very full year anyways. Yeah. How about Tyler? Great. Well, this is my first summer at Elm Shakespeare. And I'm very happy to be here. And... For the rest of the year, and I'm a freelance costume designer, and I work out of Boston, um, but this summer has been a one of lots of travel. I worked uh, in Lenox, Massachusetts, um, in the Berkshires earlier this summer, and I also was in Cape Cod. So from one end of the state to the other, I was designing costumes, and um, this is my last production of the summer, but fall is going to be pretty busy up in Boston. Oh, and so at Boston, that's a whole bunch of different theater companies. And... Yeah, so I work at a lot of regional theaters in Boston, and I design uh, for them. And then also I do work for the American Repertoire Theater in Cambridge as well um, on another short-term basis. And I'll be back there this fall as well. Wow, so how are you enjoying your 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 first gig in New Haven? I am enjoying it very much. Um, I've really in I've really liked getting to know the park, getting to know the city, and uh, I've not only been working hard uh, on the show, but I've been exploring as well. That's great. Well, we'll we'll get there. It's funny that it's Tyler's first season because I know it must be Elizabeth's fourteenth. Wow, <laughs> season. Yeah, that's really really exciting. So yeah. then, so let's. Um, um, let's go to the very beginning of how this works and we'll explain more about, you know, make sure everybody knows that the production does open tomorrow night and, um, it goes on the weekends, Thursday, 
Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. It goes start 18th to the 21st, the 23rd to the 28th, the 30th to the 31st, and September 1st to 4th. So it's once we open on Thursday, then we're open all the time except Mondays, and all the shows are at 8 o'clock. And that's where you're going to see the costumes and the set um, in finished form. Um, and, of course, the whole production is free, so you can just come and bring a picnic and enjoy um, A Midsummer Night's Dream, directed by Tina Packer. But it doesn't... Um, the finish, This is really where the, the process ends for you all, to some extent, and where it begins for... New Haven at large. So how far back do you begin the idea of the production, the sketching of what you're going to, what you're going to make? Um, I think I found out we were doing a Midsummer Night's Dream somewhere in like January or February. And then, uh, but we didn't really start having any sort of design or production meetings until, uh, the beginning of May. Okay, and and for full disclosure, Midsummer is a pretty popular Shakespeare play, right? So, yeah. I mean, when you heard that you're doing Midsummer, and when did you find out, Tyler? When did you get brought in? Uh, at the beginning of the summer, I was contacted, and uh, w- when I was invited to be part of this production, that's when I started brainstorming and right. thinking of ideas. Like you said, uh, the show's popular, and you immediately think of the other productions you've seen, and what you've always wanted to um, work on. Right. So if, if you've never seen the production, I mean, what are the, what are the stereotypes? <laughs> well, there's just very um, iconic parts to this play, whether it be um, the donkey head or the fairies. Um, Oberon and Titania uh, are the king and queen of the fairies. And then we have lovers and um, this production in particular uh, is really interesting because we focus on some of the lesser-known components about the play as well. And had either, had either of you done a set or done costumes for A Midsummer Night's Dream before? Yes, I had done costumes for a production when I was in graduate school at uh-huh. SUNY Purchase. Right. Well, then, and had you done any of it? Th- this is my first uh, Midsummer that I've Great. worked on. Great. Great. Well, let's do. Um, let's look at the set first. Then, I mean, I've seen little um, pictures of it. I've seen um, a little model you did. So, I mean, how does that um, for someone who? I, I just think there's so much that goes into it that people don't typically see. Like they see it done and built, right. but um, you know, you find out the production, you run through your characteristic possibilities, and you certainly don't work alone. So, how did how did you get to? The very beginning stages. Um, well, when Tina was in town for um, the production of Women of Will that she did as a as a benefit uh, for Elm Shakespeare, she actually got a chance to like go over to the park and and see the space. And she was actually really inspired by Edgerton Park, and so she decided that we were setting the play. Who be? Exactly. I mean, it's so beautiful. It's my favorite place in New Haven, hands down. Uh, so she was very much inspired and and said you know it would set the play in edgerton park like right and tina tina packer's the director of the play so right. she says elizabeth i love this park Let's, it's got to be somehow in the park right and so i was like great because there used to be this house there and there used to be you know this estate that's gone back to like the mid 1800s and so i started you know digging through history of 
Edgerton and we could talk for a whole I know, hour of exactly. the history of Edgerton Park. Exactly. It's such a fascinating so, architectural and sort of like a it's just such a rich story how exactly. that all came about and how lucky we are that some of this was preserved and, right. and yet some of it was lost. Exactly. So I'm trying to sort of recreate some of the lost pieces on stage. So we have a representation of like the house that used to live there and we've sort of recreated the balustrades that live over by the fountain and um, that's sort of our court world. Great. And I will. know, you know, Big Elm aficionados would love to know where is the set this year? Because sometimes um, it moves. Did Tina think that it should be in a different place or are you in kind of the usual spot? Um, we, There was a lot of discussion about the different places that it could be. And ultimately, it's it's sort of in the same spot as... Part of it is in the same spot as um, Macbeth and then part of it is in the same spot as Pericles. So we've actually moved it a little further forward than we normally play it and sort of spread it out wider. Right. It looks like get, there are many, many parts. And right. Just to get this sort of like epic sense of the place between the two worlds, which very, she's very much utilized in staging. And, you know, Jamie is lighting every tree that he can. And it just, it looks so beautiful. Right, and like so, the picture is so much bigger than we normally why display it. it. Yes, very much. Well, so. so well, and that's reflected to this little moment where where right. the director said, "Put it in the park." Right. So you take that, and what do you what do you tangibly then do? You like I said, do all the research, and then there was a period of time of trying to figure out. Since I don't, I'm not in a space where I have a proscenium. How do I create a forest? Yeah, how do I create nothing. trees? that look like something that isn't just a tree that goes up 20 feet and then ends in nothing. Right. Because you want the set, the idea is a sort of a blend. You kind right. of want it to blend in like almost there's not a set there. Is that Correct. too far? Yeah. I mean, that's sort of the idea or that it's, you know, a part of the more woodsier part of the park. So I, you know, spent some time wandering around over there and uh, physically, wandering, physically wandering through the park <laughs> a few times. Um, and then, you know, I got sort of inspired by the, you know, massive amounts of rhododendron bushes that they have. And, you know, those kind of create tunnels when they're allowed to get big enough. So I sort of started working off that idea of like, well, what if this forest is actually more bushes than trees? Mm. And is that then like pen to paper, pencil to paper? Are you like um, on a tablet doing I do it? a lot of, you know, I, me and my Pinterest boards, man, they're mm -hmm. intense. <laughs> so there's a lot of that. And then, yeah, I try to sit down and start sketching. Right. So you're finding like imagery of right. inspiration that pulls from a lot of different sources. And then you kind of... I try to distill my research down into like a few, I like make what I call research place, which is just a eight by 10 piece of paper with like Six or seven images. A physical I, research place. Yeah, that I pull off of. A mood board. Exactly. Mm. That I'm, you know. Well, and that shows a lot of pinning restraint if it's only an eight by ten piece of right. paper, if you know, you know. Yeah. Nice. So you boil it down and then you get pen out and you really, yeah. you sketch something out. Yeah. And that's a lot of sketching and resketching and sketching and resketching and trying to, you know. Um, I actually discovered this really awesome program this year called SketchUp. Right. which allows you to model in 3D. And that was insanely helpful in terms of figuring out scale and proportion. And mm -hmm. and they make it, that, that program in particular, 
it's great that it's so easy uh, interface that someone can discover it, pick it up very quickly. Right. Like I watched maybe like a three hour tutorial and was like, oh, this is that's tangible. That's tangible. (laughs) And my favorite part of that program is just importing. Right items that other yes. people have built exactly oh, wow well let's let's turn to costumes then so what you will mm-hmm. i mean the set is is sketched up at this point then mm-hmm. you, you have a a yes. somewhat of a look and you're clearly sharing that around so you then tyler find out that you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna put costumes on uh, how big is the cast this year you have 20 23 23 uh. 23 bodies of different shape sizes maybe different parts being played by the same person um how does that all start for you? I, I mean, I'm really fascinated that you're a freelance costume designer. So you must, similar to Elizabeth, have kind of like a, a routine or what's your uh, what's your inspiration board process? So um, some of those early conversations that Elizabeth uh, was having with Tina, I was also in the room. And some of Tina's initial thoughts about the park, about the play, uh, Tina's very knowledgeable about um, Shakespeare and this play in particular, and had some ideas about where and how certain components were set. And um, I took uh, inspiration, as Elizabeth did, from the house. um, And our lovers are exiting out of the mansion from that world of the late Victorian and um, right before the turn of the century. And other costumes... uh, the rude mechanicals uh, were are set in the modern era, and they are park workers or people who could potentially be somewhere around the park. And uh, today, today, oh, so that's interesting because set wise, then it's kind of like like blend and and yes. go back to the history to some extent. But the work and the costumes here, and, and again under the umbrella of Tina Packer's vision for the direction, is this mix of time periods. Absolutely, and it is it is exciting because uh, they all come from the park, but they're just different uh, areas, like the park now, the park's history, and just a classical sense. We have some characters who are classical Greek and Amazonian warriors as well. So uh, it is a dream. It's a blend. Um, and it's pretty exciting. Something right. that it's, I've never done before. Well, that's in, well, yeah, you have then a challenge. You're not looking for uniformity necessarily. Then you're looking for this kind of wild dreamlike diversity. Does that make sense? Yes. Wow. And, and where does that then same thing? I mean, um, Tina sends you off on this vision quest to come up with something that fits what's in her head and you start sketching, you start pulling things together. How does that? Yeah, so it starts with um, reading the play and doing a lot of research. And um, I will look on Pinterest or I'll look on the internet and in the books that I've collected over the years, and I will start creating folders of images. And uh, like the pin board, I take them and I make a of a google powerpoint and um will have conceptual boards or i'll have certain characters or in this case we had these separate worlds and i wanted to visually represent what i would try to accomplish in each of those worlds and it became a collage and a mood board and a place where i could communicate with the other parts of the 
production about where I was heading and how we could all collaborate and uh, make that happen. Right. And so then, well, and this is what's interesting, right? You were just, we were saying, are, are we visual artists? Does this count? <laughs> and, and at this point until now, essentially, yeah. I mean, this is very, no different than what a sculptor does or what a potter does or what a painter does in terms of finding, uh, you know, sources of ideas or inspirations. Um, and, you know, certainly you're both have the technical facilities for doing it. Although you learned something new technically right. to do Elizabeth <laughs> to make that happen. But, but I guess the next step, if I'm, if I'm not missing anything is that, you know, you were set out on the mission, right? You had this project and then you kind of do the collaboration bit, which is sometimes where visual artists who work alone in a studio don't have to do. So right. you've prepared this, what you think is like your best work and, and are there any challenges and then bringing that to, to Tina or bringing that to other people in the production or, um, I mean, how do you work out those problems where it's, you know, Elizabeth, you can't have a tree there. It just won't work. Or, um, I, you know, I love the idea, Tyler, but it's just not happening. I mean, how much give and take do you guys have to have to participate in in order to work as a team on this project lots i would say lots and i, and is I a good think answer. well i think that that's the most exciting part and i think that that's why maybe we don't feel like we're visual artists that are working solo it's right. a theater uh putting on a production with all the different components and getting inspired and having a conversation with every artist in the room is the best part of our jobs and um, coming up with ideas and, and, and seeing how they fit into the world that we're creating um, is a process. And some ideas are great and they springboard into something that has a through line through the entire production mm -hmm. or some ideas get talked about and then, and then just set aside. Yeah. What are some, I mean, are there any specific, not to like vet out any, any, any dirty laundry, but like, what are some specific and sort of interesting problems you guys worked out when you brought this to the rest of the crew, to the cast, or even as, as you were saying, um, Tyler, you know, some of those synergies that you, you get in the room, you watch a rehearsal and all of a sudden something changes in what you were imagining. Anything for this production that sort of hits in i suppose it's either like the challenges to the process or the joys of those processes i think one of the challenges for me was how you know tina being living in the berkshires and having to sort of figure out how to communicate long distance for the first time when you know working with jim andriossi it was always just like well i'm just gonna go over to his house for dinner and we're gonna like hash this out <laughs> um so scheduling meetings was was tough and then you know you can only have as much back and forth as you can get within a two hour window. Um, uh, I, yeah. I had a very <laughs> similar, but um, maybe on the other side of that, right. where I, I was in the Berkshires um, and working with Tina and I know this will be uh, Tina and I's uh, fourth collaboration. So I know Tina very well. Um, and then but I didn't know Elm Shakespeare very well. Right. And so when I came and I packed my car and uh, came down here, I didn't know what to expect down here and kind of was just ready to be thrown into it. Um, and what, what was the reception then? Oh, I mean, this company is fabulous. Good. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a family and you felt that warmth from 
the first moment. And uh, that always makes a transition uh, a lot easier. Um, getting to know the other uh, team members who have been part of this company since the beginning or for a long time. And uh, I this process in particular is new for a lot of people. And there are there there will be new experiences but there's a lot of history and there's a lot of um i like hearing and experiencing uh parts that 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 have come over from uh past productions and um those dynamics oh yeah definitely and then so i mean at this point then we've gotten everything pinned sketched um so i mean i and i think this next part's interesting which is like the brass tacks of like all right we agree to the plan. How do I turn that plan into something real? You were saying, um, Tyler, you you drove down with costumes in your car. Yes. So where did all the costumes come from? Do you make all the costumes? I think these are common. I, I know the answer to some of these questions, but I think there's are common misconceptions. You you know, how good at sewing are you, Tyler? You know, questions <laughs> oh, like that. I've definitely gotten all of these questions um, <laughs> at like parties or meeting people for the new time. For the first time, they're like, what do you do? And I'm a costume designer. And then I do, do you make your own clothes? Do you... Yeah. And I'm sure you get the same questions, I do, Elizabeth. I do. And I, you know. We're so patient. Yeah. Well, and, you know, so it's interesting as a, you know, talking about being a visual artist, I don't sketch nor sew nor sort of do any of these things I do for my design work independently. Like, I don't. I should sit around and draw more, quite frankly. Yes, <laughs> and I've had should. sort of a goal to, you know, work on that for right. the next calendar year. But I, I don't, I'm capable of sewing and I'm quite good at it, but I don't necessarily feel the need to do it in my spare time. Like maybe I'll make a quilt for somebody's baby every now and again, but beyond that, it's like, mm. <laughs> right. and, 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 and uh, I am, I have shirts with, buttons missing all the time yeah. i mean it's very much <laughs> sewing putting things together you know making a show happen you spend hours and hours at the sewing machine but then you know the you know it's like the cobbler's shoes being broken right. it's yeah, like, yeah. but so to answer your question though um uh i i do know how to sew and um <laughs> I know. what a relief um and it's come in handy a lot um <laughs> but for um, putting a show on, every production is different. And whether that means uh, you're going to make some of the costumes or it's a show that you pull all the costumes from different costume stocks. Uh, we have a partnership with Southern um, State College, Connecticut College here, and they have a stock that we've um, pulled a lot of this show from. And um, I also was working up at Shakespeare and Company, and they have a fabulous costume stock. So and that's what you stuffed in your car. That's on the what way I down. stuffed in my car and brought down. <laughs> well, the, the, when you work at different theaters, you start to have a database in your head of who has what. Or and when you're putting together a show and you've come up with ideas and you've presented, then you do need to look at your um, what's ahead of you and where can I get these pieces. Um, does that mean building um, a set of armor or does it mean uh, ordering one from Amazon? And it's about that planning um, budget contingency, but it's 
a lot of our job is in order to put these um, shows together, we just need to map it up out in our head of how we can accomplish that. And luckily, uh, we have help with that, whether it be right. assistants or shops. Yeah, well, and so, I mean, it is, it's this, it's this insane and sharing economy, essentially, then between what everybody knows. And this is what you do all year, Elizabeth, and you know, uh, you know, at Yale, it's actually the same situation. Right, yeah, absolutely. And so, so for this production, you feel like, um, you know, there's a lot of collaboration with Southern and whatever you were able to bring together from other places that fits this plan mm -hmm. you had created. Um, and then I guess the sewing comes in. I mean, you're not just um, putting these pieces on hangers, you're putting them on people. And, um, you know, how do the actors respond when you, you've essentially designed this idea, you've, you've used the sharing economy to get it mm -hmm. all together, yeah. or you've bought stuff, I love that, on Amazon or whatever, and then you bring it to the actor, and do they say, oh, or are they like, yeah, that's exactly what I thought it was going to be? I think um, the fitting is a great time and is an exciting time for uh, for both the designer and the actor. Um, it's a time where we get to build the character together in the fitting room. Uh, they've done a lot of work in rehearsal and they have made their own discoveries. And I have done my homework and my research um, and diving into their characters as well. And I think overall... Uh, they've been very excited that somebody's been thinking about their character as well. And choices that you've made um, are usually grounded in the script or the story, and it's very helpful for them. And so I have had a lot of positive feedback that this character will help me um, portray. Yeah, no, that's, well, that's reassuring. But that's a nice moment. I can imagine that's a mm -hmm. reassuring spot. And then you'll ultimately see that you know, in rehearsal, it'll get on stage, it's all lit. Hopefully it all stays together for the run of the production. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, these are, these are pieces of art you've made for people to use and for people to sweat into. Mm -hmm. um, how does that, I mean, how does that manage? When you typically make a piece of art, it, it, it is presented and it is hung or it is you know, put in a box and these are not right. that, right? Yeah, these no, are... these are to be used by people on a daily basis that need to be, you know, in my case with the set, I need, it needs to be safe. Yeah. They need to not slip on the floor. They need to not yeah. get poked by and a in, railing covered in branches. They need to, you know. And in both cases, you've got outdoor issues. You've mm -hmm. got heat issues. This is not an air conditioned um theater no this is this is the real life not climate control there's no, no climate control, control there's all. a lot of, there's been a lot of rain and thunderstorms as we were saying so how does that hit your costume um world how do you make sure that your art is durable enough to move forward uh, like elizabeth was saying it hits both of our worlds it needs to be baked into the design as well uh that these are the environment that we're putting on this piece that it that people need to have traction on their shoes um, when it's dry or even when it's like a little mm -hmm. moist from the day before. Right. Um, even if the shoes look like they're from who knows when, there's got to be some traction. Yeah. On them. And right. that's, and that's um, something that uh, we discover when we move from the rehearsal hall into the park. Um, we have a battle scene and is it safe and how can we make sure that everyone feels feels comfortable um, playing on the grass and playing up on the deck. And um, that's something that, you know, we've made adjustments in this production itself to 
get safer shoes um, and uh, just make do right by the ideas that we came up with, but also um, make it work for yeah. our environment. Right. Practical constraints. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, even some, um, I mean, any quick, ch- I mean, I know that a lot of costume changes. I mean, these are sometimes not even just regular clothes, right? I mean, do they snap? Do they Velcro? Are there like other kinds of tricks of the trade? Yeah, make... you're making me reveal all the magic. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, I know. Um, uh, being in theater, <laughs> it, th- there there is some wizardry of of how these quick changes happen. Um, and luckily, uh, I've been trained well and been in these situations where right. people need to make extremely yeah. fast changes and we have tools whether it be velcro whether it be snaps whether it be zippers uh and i think if there is a change um like there are in this show where it's quick and um you talk through the pieces that need to come off the pieces that need to go on and you use your experience of okay, well, in this situation, it's a quick in, we're going to use Velcro, but the things that you take off um, can be snaps because it'll be easy to release. Uh, And, um, and those are the way you, you, you can plan ahead and see if you know that you only have 30 seconds to do this change. Well, then you'll do everything you can to make it as fast as possible. Right. But if it's five minutes and the actor is doing it themselves, but at the same time is sweaty and can't deal with buttons, then you can do snaps or you can, right. you, there are, there are benefits and, you know, negatives as well to, you know, Velcroing everything because uh, you wouldn't necessarily want it to look like things well, are, you gotta are keep not, them looking good yeah, and that's really the, the magic right, yeah. of it is it still needs to no one will ever have known that little secret until you just told everyone well about, but but the good thing is is that uh the park's so big and things are happening and people are moving fast that um that we can get away with some of our tricks right. yeah yes and you mentioned some of the staging we were avoiding but i can only imagine and in fact i know how <laughs> the set can go from you know a sketch and and maybe even a tiny you know model that you've built into um a a set an actual set on the grass in a park where otherwise there was nothing right and um i i know a little bit about how that works but i don't really i mean you should explain how that somehow happens and what changes in your design when you've got to take it from paper or sketch up or model to we're in the park um, so there, I have a whole team of people actually that I work with. So there's the technical director whose job it is to, um, really figure out how the set is going to get built. Elizabeth had this crazy idea <laughs> and now I will turn it into pieces of lumber exactly. and nails. And, and, and how much does it cost? Exactly. Construction and how much is it going to cost us and, and whatnot. Uh, and then there's, we, this year we had two ATDs and I have my assistant Ismir, um, who helped me like draft everything and build the model and sort of get all the information out of my head into the technical director so that he could start drafting how to build the items. Well, that's nice. That's not even your job. Right. I mean, you, you get to do all of that fun and then see what happens exactly and then you know there are tweaks here and there because like 
you know, the house, for instance, I had, you know, drawn it in SketchUp off of a picture of the house and just sort of scaled it from there. And then when I translated that into drafting, all the sizes were really weird. Like this part is like five and three sixteenths. And so I went in and like tidied things up so that it was a more even numbers that one could then build more easily. Or even sometimes adjusting something from like five feet to four feet because a piece of sheet goods from the lumber yard is four feet. So that's going to cost you less money. That's the equivalent of having snaps. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of, of tweaking like that and just, you know, daily conversations with the build team about how things are going and what we're doing and what we're working on today. Um, and then once things get built, things start to get painted. Well, and that is truly, I mean, there is magic in the painting. Right. I mean, what are you doing? I've seen in the pictures, you know, you know, you turn wood and lattice and, you know, pieces of tree and things of that sort, but it doesn't look like that when you've got the painting done. Right. So there's just a lot of paint magic and I have to, you know, plug Sherwin Williams on Whaley Avenue was kind enough to give us free paint. Thanks Sherwin Williams. Thank you so much. Sandy at Sherwin Williams. (laughs) But what is the, I, I only know a little bit about scenic painting, but I do know that, you know, it's not like, it's not like painting your walls, painting your walls. It's not like painting a painting even really. It is like this sort of optical illusion at times. Right. Like what are some of the optical illusions or little tricks like that you've There's got in this Layers set? and layers and layers and layers. <laughs> <laughs> so you start with the base, like an under, like, so for example, the, um, we talk about the balustrades that were used to recreate the ones that already exist in the park. They're built out of wood. We painted them with like a, base coat of a light lavender um the top parts were treated with this stuff called foam coat to actually make them look and feel like stone um so once the lavender base coat is on then we do what we call a scumble which is taking two or three colors of paint together while it's still wet and sort of blending it as you go scumble is an excellent it is an excellent word um and that was sort of a beigey gray and then a pinky gray together to sort of make another layer of undercoat and then there was a like there was like sort of a brown wash over that and then the spattering started to sort of really create the texture of what that stone looks like in reality there's no real stone on the set no there's not but we have had multiple people ask us how we got more what where did you move it like what how did that happen like oh it's just paint and foam coat yeah when i touched and, the the, uh, the ball a sphere I, yeah it's styrofoam yeah. <laughs> it has, <laughs> but it, it, it yeah. does look like a concrete um yeah straight topper it does right a little magic paint essentially yeah. in that and then um you know wood is is typically very safe but i mean how do you how do you make it workable? You mentioned in the beginning, and I thought that was very astute, you know, you, you built this whole thing and you want the actors to use it just right. like they use their costume, right? It's not just like uh, a, like when you're when you're in preschool and they hang a curtain and like right. you dance in front of the curtain. How does the actor interact with the stage? How do you accommodate for that and make it safe so that they can dance and flip and move and fight? 
Well, yeah, safety, it's about making sure every single nail and screw and staple is into that deck or piece of scenery sunk in far enough that they aren't going to touch it and hurt themselves in any way, shape or form. We had to add a lot of um, escape stairs for people to get off backstage in a safe manner. Um, it always had more stairs. Yeah, we, there's always uh, discovered over the years that if you don't put a wall somewhere, somebody's going to want stairs to get off that deck in that place that you think is empty and no one should want to go, but they do. <laughs> They're drawn to it like flies. Um, uh, and then as far as the, you know, talking about, you know, shoes and the, the slipperiness of the deck, especially when it gets wet, there's this particular product we use for scenery called Slip No More, which is a liquid rosin, which is, you know, what gymnasts use to oh, wow. keep, you know, their hands from slipping on their various um, parallel bars and wow. uh, you so, know, to reference again, the Olympics. It's interesting. In both cases, right. you need them to work. Like the beautiful part is on your Pinterest board and, and right. it's, it's in, it's, it's, you know, January to, to July. And then, you know, push comes to shove. You got to keep everybody right. safe. You've got to make sure everyone on the team gets it and yeah. really loves what's going on. Um, what did, what was the actor's response when they saw the set? I know that, you know, they probably had seen sketches and models or maybe they'd taken their own secret drive-bys <laughs> to the park. But then, you know, there's that day where you get on the stage, right? Right. And at that point, things were still like very much unfinished. So, I mean, everyone was excited, but like really after our big, we had a big push on Monday, which was the actor's day off where we were out there for about 14 hours to really finish all the details. And the reaction after that was everybody's right. They come back excited. on Tuesday and they're like, oh, "Yeah, this is what it's going to be." Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. and have you had a essentially a dress rehearsal yet, where you've been your work um, in in costumes, Tyler's come together with your work in in the set? Yeah, so we've um, had two of those days. On Saturday was the first time actors were in costume and on the set, and then last night. Um, we added more lighting elements and sound elements, and tonight we will finish um, doing the play in costumes with light and sound and set. And so everything is really, uh, all the components are are being added right now. And then for Thursday, um, we open. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you guys both don't look tired at all. I mean, you, <laughs> <That's good. laughs> you're here, you're doing it. I mean, we'll, uh, I'll reiterate this again, but I mean, that's a really exciting part where you're at right now. Then it's really like you yeah. will, you will see it all happen. And then tomorrow night you'll open and see, you know, all of those pieces get together. Um, I mean, is that, is that really where it's, where it's done for you all? Or what is, I mean, as far as New Haven is concerned, right? Starting tomorrow night, that's when New Haven's going to come and see right. all of your work. Um, do you guys come to every show? Are you going to just chill out and skip a bunch? Do you have more work to do? I mean, how? What happens? Your art is again, it's movable, right. and so and it's it's ever changing for the next three weeks, um, or is it done? What do you expect? I expect to be done. <laughs> Me too. Um, you know, obviously. Are you listening, Tina? Are no, you listening? No. Tina's done. Tina's tomorrow. quite done. Yeah, she's she's gonna go elsewhere. I mean, the only thing that would come up is if there was a major repair that needed mm -hmm, to happen. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, this is um, th what we've been doing and adding all the components over the last week 
is the time where we make adjustments, where we see things and we say, oh, those don't go together. Or now seeing them play in real space in the costumes, it'd be better if we switched this. But when opening happens, um, that's when the show freezes or a lot of the um, acting choices, a lot of the technical choices, those that's when everything is kind of set so we can put on that show every night in a consistent manner. And um, that is usually when the director and the designers um, step away. And then it really is in the hands of the actors and the people that are maintaining our show. Well, and you can enjoy it and sleep a little bit, maybe, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, I'll move on to the next one. Well, that right. might be true. I do. Yeah. Um, I know. I what's next for you, Elizabeth? Once um, I actually start my job back at Yale next week. <gasps> wow. So <laughs> I have like five days between, and oh, then wow. back into it. Bravo. And what what's on your horizon, Tyler? Do you have another project coming up? Yes, I have two plays. Um, Coming up, I'm doing uh, the musical Lucky Stiff um, at Stoneham Theater up in Boston. And then I'm also doing a regional premiere of Significant Other at Speakeasy Stage Company in Boston. Um, Two shows that uh, go into rehearsal this week. And um, I just came from Boston and presented my ideas uh, yesterday. And we'll do the same later this week. And as soon as I leave here, I get thrown into those two. Wow, bravo that's a busy that's a busy routine for <laughs> sure so um i'll just reiterate now before i have a couple other questions but don't forget that this the whole reason we're here talking is because tomorrow is the opening night of elm shakespeare company's um 21st season which is a midsummer night's dream it continues through the 21st the 23rd to the 28th the 30th of august until september 4th at eight o'clock at edgerton park if you've never been that's another piece of visual art, architectural oh, yeah, beauty. Um, and if you're GPSing it, you have to try to get to 75 Cliff Street. And, and on a busy night, like on a Saturday night at Elm, you got to try to find somewhere to park. Um, so come early. Um, there's plenty to do and, and bring a picnic and hang out. Um, you know, I'm interested in what you'd said earlier, Tyler, which is that you did do a little bit of exploring in New Haven. So is there anything... Um, thought was visually interesting anything inspiring what um you know boston certainly not you know your close neighbor in boston but if you'd spent some time what did you like well i um came down and there is this natural fairy element of the show and so i did go on nature walks in edgerton park and did some hiking up on east rock and um was trying to be aware of my surroundings and if that could play in to our fairy world. And I think it has. Um, and then of course I've explored all the good pizza (laughs) and, um, have had recommendations from friends who have been here or passed through. Um, and I'd been staying um, only a few blocks from here. And, uh, one of the fun nights we had was Shakespeare Yoki that oh, right, Elm yes. Shakespeare puts on and uh, going to a local uh, pub and having people perform monologues of Shakespeare while drinking a pint, as it should be, was right? a fun part. As it of, ever was. Uh, and uh, yeah. And then I've also, I've just enjoyed walking around, going to different bars, 
trying to catch the Olympics here and there. And um, it's been a great experience. That's true. Well, hopefully you'll be back because Elizabeth, I know, is a full-time full-time resident of, yes. of the New Haven area and, and, and has been for some time. But but I'm still curious. I mean, what, aside from Edgerton Park um, and, you know, your work at Yale and your work <laughs> with them and your whole busy thing, like, what do you really, what's inspiring about living here? What do you enjoy? Um, do you have little places that inspire your work or interesting for you? Um, I don't know about places so much, but you know, the art scene in New Haven is really amazing and diverse and wonderful, especially in theater. Like that you have all these, you have, you know, Yale Rep and Longworth Theater. And then you get down to Elm Shakespeare and Broken Umbrella and Collective Consciousness and uh, the New Haven Theater Company, and I mean the list just you're doing pretty good though. Consider you on and on and on. Yeah, I know, and and that we all sort of know each other and support each other, and you know have a really good theater community in this town, which is really quite small by you know most standards in terms of city wise. Like I come from a town, Salem, Oregon, which is twice the population, and there's hardly any arts there at all wow. i mean there are oh, the, there are and it's Salem. getting better but you know certainly like not handfuls of theater companies right. i also so. was struck by the architecture yes and that it's so diverse it's and, a diverse architecture yeah. and you know whether it be yale or whether it be in the back streets um in mansions or history um, right exactly it's a pretty place to walk around. Well, you get one more chance to pitch, um, and I, you know, take it to a sentence. You've seen the show. Mm-hmm. You have made it um, beautiful, or you've made it, you know, appropriate for the whole vision mm-hmm. that Tina Packer has has put together. So we know it will be visually stunning, um, and we know that the fanatic Elm Shakespeare fans um, will come out in droves like they always, always do, and maybe more than once like they typically do. But um, make a pitch to somebody who has never been before and has no idea why they would ever want to see something called a Midsummer Night's Dream, um, aside from the fact that your costumes and set are beautiful. What's, <laughs> what's your pitch on the show? I would say that in this current world of ours, which somehow seems to get scarier every minute that goes by, uh, that you should come and have a night where you enjoy yourself and for free and you see a play about love. Ooh. And that that's, you know, what we really need to focus on these days i think people are already getting their gps's lined up to know what do you think tyler i think that if you have never seen midsummer night's dream or even if you have this show is meant to be played outside this is meant to be played in the park absolutely and if you've never seen a tina packer show you absolutely must come you will never have seen a midsummer night's dream like the one that we put on this year and um it, I everybody uh, has done incredible work, and uh, it really shows. So come out. I guarantee you will have an enjoyable time. Uh, this play, 400 years after Shakespeare's death, and it's still rocking. Perfect. Well, thanks to you all for being here. If you liked this show, we'll be back again in two weeks. And um, looking at some more visual arts 
um, aspects of New Haven. I also obviously don't, don't, don't skip out on the production. You have until September 4th to see it. All the shows are free. All of them are at 8 p.m. And you'll be able to see the visual performing, that magical combination of disciplines that comes into play um, when you're putting on a production like this. Um, thanks to Elizabeth and Tyler, and as always to Lucy for keeping us on the air. And I'll see you soon. Take care.